her spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Luke chapter number 10. And of course, uh, we are going through a series called Journey with Jesus, and we are doing a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Luke. We are studying the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, Luke chapter, uh, the, the Gospel of Luke is one of the most comprehensive uh, Gospels in regards to giving us details about the life of Christ. And tonight, we find ourselves in chapter number 10 as we are working our way through the Gospel of Luke. And uh, tonight, we're going to do something a little different than what we have been doing in Luke. Uh, Up to this point, we've been really taking our time through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we've been going through every detail, and we're going to continue to do that as we go forward. But tonight, we're going to cover, we've got a lot of territory to cover. We're going to cover 24 verses tonight, from Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 1 to verse 24. Uh, Sunday morning, we'll deal with the famous, of course, story of the Good Samaritan, and then Sunday night, we'll deal with the story of Mary and, uh, and Martha. But tonight, we're going we're gonna to cover these 24 verses, and we're going to cover all 24 of them because of the fact that they're, they're all uh, talking about the same thing, and uh, they all have to do uh, with the same subject. And of course, in this passage before us tonight, we see the Lord Jesus Christ giving instructions to the group of 70 that he's getting ready to send out. If you remember just a, a couple of chapters ago, he sent out the 12 uh, to go out and do missions to pretty much be soul winners, to do a missions trip. And now he's sending out a group of 70, the Bible tells us. If you look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, I want you to notice something here. The Bible says, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. So this is other than the 12. He's got 70 that he's sending now and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he, uh, whether he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great. We're going to come back to these phrases here in a minute, but I just want you to notice the emphasis. He says, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And I want you to notice that when Jesus is getting ready to send the 10, uh, excuse me, the 70 out, he he gives them instructions. That's what we're going to see in verses 1 through 24, the instructions that the Lord Jesus Christ gives to the 70 as he's getting ready to send them out. And he refers to them as laborers. And, and because of the fact that they are working in the ministry, he gives us, gives us some lessons for these laborers, uh, a few lessons for these soul winning laborers. And let me just, by way of introduction, say this. You know, when it comes to ministry, here we have the Lord Jesus Christ. He began by himself. He, he got 12 guys. He trained them, sent them out. Now he's been training these 70. He's getting ready to send them out. He's going to give them one last training we're going to look at tonight, uh, and then he's going to send them out. And, you know, when it comes to ministry, uh, what we need is more laborers, of course. And, but when it comes to ministry, you know, soul winning and discipleship, these things that we do in ministry, it really should be a team sport. It should be a group effort. It should not be something that one guy does when, you know, one preacher gets up and preaches uh, a sermon. No, it should be a, 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 a group effort of all of us working together as laborers to uh, fulfill the Great Commission. You don't have to turn, to turn here. Let me just read this for you. Philippians 1.27, Paul wrote this to the church at Philippi. He said, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together 
for the faith of the gospel. And that's really what a church should be. It should be a body of believers that are striving together for the faith of the gospel. And here we have the Lord Jesus Christ with uh, 70 also, and he's getting ready uh, to send them out. And of course, I'm going to apply a lot of this to soul winners, because that's really what they're doing. They're going to go out and preach the gospel. Uh, it can be, it really is like a, more like a missions trip. But, you know, this, this is a passage of scripture that I would think a lot about, because when we first started our church, my wife and I started Verity Baptist Church 12 years ago in our living room. And when we first started the church, of course, uh, there was uh, nothing really going on in, in this area in regards to soul winning. And, and, and our church got started. And, of course, I started going soul winning. My wife started going soul winning. And it, slowly but surely, we began gathering a group, group of soul winners. And I remember thinking to myself, one day we're going to have 12 soul winners. One day we're going to have 12 soul winners just like Jesus had his 12, and we're going to send them out into the community. And I remember how excited I was. It took a long time to have 12 soul winners go out and, and, and preach the gospel. And, of course, soul winning is when we go out in the community, we knock doors, we invite people to church, we preach the gospel to anyone who's interested. And after we had 12, I remember thinking to myself, well, the next goal is 70. Because Jesus had 12, and then he had 70. And I remember thinking, we're probably never going to have 70, you know, because it, so, it was so hard to get 12 soul winners, I thought, we're probably never, you know, oh, you have little faith, we're probably never going to have 70 soul winners, but I kept thinking, that's, that's the goal, the goal is 70 soul Well, you know, praise God, just this last Saturday, we had 97 soul winners out, and, uh, and we've had, you know, well over 70 soul winners for, for a long time now, and I remember when we finally hit 70 soul winners, I was like, okay, well, what's the next number? And then it was like 120, you know, because the day of Pentecost, you had 120 in the upper room. So that's our next goal, you know. Praise God for the 97 that went on on Saturday. We want 120 soul winners. And then, you know, after that, I don't know, 144,000, you know. And we're just, I don't know, we'll just keep going, you know. But we're, we're striving together for the faith of the gospel is what we're trying to do. And we've got some lessons for soul winning uh, and lessons for laborers here. And if you're taking notes tonight, I'd encourage you to write these down. I got a lot to cover, so I'll, I'll move quickly. And of course, we always encourage you to take notes on the back of your course so we can just place for you to write down some things. Lessons for soul winning laborers. Number one, we see the pattern for laborers. The pattern for laborers. We see, there, we see it there in verse number one. And notice it again. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them. Notice what the Bible says, two and two. The Bible says that Jesus, he sends the 70 out, and he sends them two and two. Now, uh, keep your place there in Luke chapter 10. Of course, that's our text for tonight. But go with me, if you would, to the book of Mark. Just going backwards, one book, Mark chapter number 6. And look at verse number 7. Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. Mark 6, 7. The Bible says, and he, referring to Jesus, called unto him the 12. This is back when he originally sent the 12 out. And began to send them forth, notice what the Bible says, by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. So the pattern we see in Scripture when it comes to sending laborers out, and we can preach all night on this and I'm not going to, but the Bible teaches that they are to go out two and two, or by two and two, and they're supposed to go out and, and, and preach. Notice, go back to, to Luke chapter 10 there, look at verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, and he sent them two and two before his face. Notice these words, into every city and place, whether he himself would uh, come. So the Bible tells us that Jesus set this pattern where he sent the disciples out. When he sent the 12, he sent them out by two and two. When he had the 70, he sent them out by two and two, and he sent them into every city and place. Go to Acts real quickly, Acts chapter 5. You're there in Luke. You just flip over uh, past the book of John into the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. 
and look at verse 42, Acts 5.42. You say, how do you, how do you reach an entire city? Because the Bible says that he sent them two and two by two and two into every city and place whether himself, he himself would come. How do you reach an entire city? Well, in Acts, we see the pattern for that as well. Acts 5.42, the Bible says, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Go to Acts chapter 20 and verse 20. There in Acts 5, just flip over to Acts chapter 20 and verse 20. Acts 20, 20. Sometimes we call it Acts 20, 20 vision. Acts 20, 20 says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly, notice these words, and from house to house. You say, how do you reach an entire city? House to house. So how do you send people out uh, to go uh, preach the gospel house to house? By two and two. You know, the reason that at Verity Baptist Church we uh, 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 train soul winners, the reason we're having a soul winning seminar in a few weeks, and we train soul winners, and we encourage soul winning, and we preach about soul winning, and, and, and we send soul winners out two by two. That's what we do at, at our church. You show up here at our Saturday morning uh, rally, and we're going to partner you up with somebody and send you out into the community. You say, I don't know what to say. You can be a silent partner. We'll partner you with somebody who knows what they're doing and knows, uh, has been trained, has gone through the Soul Wing Seminar. We'll send you out, and we'll knock doors uh, two by two, house by house. We'll invite people to church, and then we'll preach the gospel to anyone who's in it. You say, where, where do you get that from? You get that from the Jehovah's Witnesses? You get that from the Mormons? No, we got it from the Word of God. The Bible says that Jesus sent them out by two and two. The Bible says that he sent them out into every city, into every house, from house to house. You say, well, why do the cults do it? The Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, it's a sad thing that the cults are the ones that are known for knocking doors when it's something that Jesus came up with. And of course, Satan always wants to pervert what Jesus does. And he wants to take that and turn it into a false religion. But let me tell you something. The Bible says, and the pattern given by Jesus was to send, he sent his 12, and then he sent his 70, and he sent them two by two, house to house, preaching the gospel. So we see the pattern for laborers in verse number one. But I want you to notice, secondly, tonight, not only do we see the pattern for laborers in verse one, we also see the prayer for laborers in verse number 2. Notice verse number 2, Luke chapter 10, if you would, in verse number 2. Notice what the Bible says, Therefore said he, this is Jesus, unto them, speaking to the 70. Notice what Jesus says. He says, The harvest truly is great. The word great means large, numerous, plenteous. In another passage, Jesus says the harvest truly is plenteous. He says the harvest is great. He says, he says there, there's a great harvest. And, and what he means by that is that there are lots of people out there that need to hear the gospel. And there are lots of people out there. You say, well, there's people out there that will reject the gospel and they're not receptive. Well, we're going to cover that in Jesus' training here. And we're, no, we're in Jesus' soul winning seminar right now. And he's training the laborers. We're going to cover that. But, you know, the truth of the matter is that there's lots of people out there that would get saved if somebody brought them the gospel. They would get saved if somebody brought them uh, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, hey, the harvest truly is great. The harvest is plenty. It's great. You say, what's the problem then? Here's the problem, but the laborers are few. There's not enough workers. 
And the illustration that Jesus is giving here, he's giving this agricultural illustration, of course, in the first century to an agricultural society. And he's saying, look, the Great Commission, it's like a farmer who has farmed this land, and now it's time to go out and harvest. And he says, the harvest truly is plenteous. He's got all this land, acres of land, and it's ready to be harvested. The harvest is ready to be brought in, but he doesn't have enough workers to bring it in. He doesn't have laborers to go out and bring in the harvest. And as a result, though the harvest is ready, there's not enough workers to bring it in. And Jesus says, that's the great commission. That's the work of the kingdom. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. So notice what Jesus says. Verse 2. He said, what are we to do with this problem? This problem of the harvest being plenteous, but the laborers are few. He says, we do with this problem what we do, what we should be doing with every problem, and it's to bring it to God in prayer. Notice what he says, verse 2. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are, free, are, are few. So says, what do we do? Here's what he says. Pray. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus tells us to pray that the Lord of the harvest, the Lord Jesus Christ, would send forth laborers into his harvest. Now keep your place there in Luke 10. Go with me if you would to Matthew chapter 9. If you go backwards, you got Mark and then the book of Matthew. Go past the book of Mark into the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9. And in Matthew 9, we have this famous passage given again. This, now let me just be clear about something. Matthew 9 is a different time than Luke 10. You're going to notice that Jesus says pretty much the same thing and but they're not they don't they're not chronologically compatible and sometimes people get confused by that but you just have to realize that Jesus just said this twice and he probably said it many times you know if if you're a preacher you often say the same things over and over again especially if it's important notice in Matthew 9:36 the bible says but when he saw the multitudes Matthew 9, chapter 9 and verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, notice the reaction, the empathy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And listen to me, you say, I'm not excited about soul winning. I'm not excited about preaching the gospel. I'm not excited about the Great Commission. I'm not excited about discipleship. I'm not excited about reaching people with the gospel and helping them grow in grace. Let me tell you something. If you would open your eyes and realize realize that there are multitudes out there that are fainting and they're scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. There are people out there that are hurting, that are in pain, that are making a mess of their lives because they don't have a shepherd, somebody to love them and help them. And Jesus said that he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. If you would open your eyes and look around in your neighborhood, you would find that there are people who are fainting and are scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And Jesus says in verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Notice he tells us to pray. And let me just quickly just give you some, some thoughts in regards to, to, to prayer, and specifically for the harvest. You say, well, how, how can I pray for the harvest? Well, Number one, I would encourage you to pray that God would send forth laborers into this harvest. Pray that God would send us more laborers to commission and train into the ministry and put them out there to preach the gospel. Pray that God would send forth more laborers. Also, 
I would encourage you, if you're not a soul winner, and look, if you're not a soul winner, I'm not mad at you. I'm not trying to guilt uh, trip you. I'm telling you, this is what God has called all of us to do. You say, well, I don't know how to do it. Well, sign up for our soul winning seminar and let us train you. Uh, but you say, I'm not a soul winner. Okay, can you do this? Could you pray for the laborers? Could you commit to pray? You say, well, I won't go out on Saturday at 10 a.m. I won't go out on Thursday at 2 p.m. I won't go out on Friday at 2 p.m. I won't go out on Sunday at 2 p.m. Okay, maybe you're not willing to do it, but are you willing to pray for the laborers? Say, I'm not willing to go out at 10 a.m., but are you willing at 10 a.m. to get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm not willing to do it, but there's 97 soul winners down at 320 Harris Avenue getting ready to go out and preach the gospel, and I want to pray that you would protect them and that you would bless them and that you would help them to find the people that are hurting and that need to hear the gospel and that are receptive to the gospel. Hey, would you pray for laborers? Would you pray for the laborers? And would you pray that God would make you a laborer? You say, you say, why are you asking us to pray? Well, I'm asking you to pray because that's what Jesus said. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. But I do have an ulterior motive with asking you to pray because I just believe that if you're actually saved and you have the Holy Spirit of God and you actually commit to pray for laborers, it's just a matter of fact. It's just a, it's just a matter of time before the fact of the great need will penetrate your heart. I just don't think you can pray for laborers without eventually becoming a laborer. Which is why I think Jesus said, pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers. Go back to Luke chapter 10. We saw, number one, the pattern for laborers. We saw, number two, the prayer for laborers. Notice, thirdly, in verse 3, we see the protection of laborers. Notice what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 3. He's getting ready to send out these 70 out and he's commissioning them to go preach the gospel. He gives them the pattern in verse 1 and, 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 and we see the prayer for laborers in verse 2. And then in verse 3, we see the protection of the laborers. And I love the Lord Jesus Christ because, you know, obviously we, all, we love the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're saved, you, I hope you love the Lord Jesus Christ. But I just love, I, I love how he communicates that because here he is at this, at this you know, soul winning rally. He's got 70 soul winners getting ready. You know, he's giving them a pep talk, and he's telling them, you know, well, I'm going to send you out. We're going to do this. It's going to be great. And then in verse 3, he says, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. <laughs> and if you're one of the 70, you're probably like, yay. Uh, yay? Lambs among wolves? He says, go your way. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. See, that doesn't sound fun. You know, Jesus is teaching them, we're going to see this here in a minute, but he's teaching them that they should rely on him for protection. Amen. Go back to Matthew, if you would, Matthew chapter 7. Wolves are used throughout the Bible to illustrate the enemies of those preaching the gospel and those that believe in biblical Christianity. Here, Jesus says, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. And you say, why? Why does he say, I'm going to send you forth as lamb among wolves? Here's why. Because we're, we're, we're supposed to be like Christ. By the way, don't get offended. You say, a lamb's weak. Hey, Jesus came. John said, behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. So we are supposed to be like him. In another passage, I won't have you go there. In, 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 the, in, in a parallel passage, he says, hey, I'm sending you as lambs among wolves. So be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And this, has, this idea of us being lambs is that we're not out there to fight. We're not out there to, to threaten people. We're not out there to try to cause issues. We're trying to get people saved. But Jesus says, be careful while you're out there because there's wolves. You're the lambs, and he says they're wolves. You say, what are the wolves? Matthew 7, look at verse 17. 
Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. The word ravening means hungry, craving. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, look, what's a wolf? It's a false prophet. Go to Acts chapter 20. You're there in Matthew. Go past Mark, Luke, John, into the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 29. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 20, verse 29. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Acts 20, verse 29. Notice what Paul says to the church, uh, to the church leadership at Ephesus. Acts 20, 29. For I know this. That after my departing, notice the warning he gives, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. You need to understand that the enemy of the soul winner, you say, what's the enemy of the soul winner? The independent, vulnerable, Baptist, Bible-believing, soul-winning Christian. What's the enemy of the soul winner of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's the false prophet. We're lambs among wolves. People are out there who think they're religious and they're going to die and go to hell because a wolf has tricked them into taking on some form of religion that is not true. And we are out there to, to bring people out of the uh, influence of the wolves. You say, well, we're lambs. How could a lamb fight a wolf? Well, if God be for us, then who can stand against us? So there's a lesson here for protection, and of course we see that spiritually, but even physically, of course when we're out there, we always pray for the physical uh, protection of God's people. You don't have to turn here. You go, go back to Luke chapter 10 if you would. Proverbs 21, 31 says, The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Now of course, Jesus said, I mentioned this in a parallel passage, He said, Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. All right. So obviously when you're out there, you need to be... The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but safety is the Lord. We understand that safety is the Lord, but you still prepare the horse for battle. You understand that? Amen. So you say, well, we're out, we're out there, and we're out there as lambs amongst wolves. Okay, but be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, and don't put yourself in situations that are dangerous. You know, this is why you need to come to our Soul Wing Seminar, because we're going to teach you, hey, if the gates close and the, the, dog, the, the, the house yard doesn't look that nice, you might want to rattle that cage a few times before you just open that door and, and have a dog, not spiritually, physically, you know, meet you. You know, this is why we teach, we teach never go into anybody's house, especially ladies, never go into anybody's house. And if for some odd, weird reason you are compelled to go into somebody's house, you need to text somebody and, and, and tell them. That's why we send you out two by two. Why do we send you two by two? Because Jesus said it. But you know why we send you two by two? For protection and fellowship. Amen. You know, and, and look, obviously, safety is of the Lord, but let's be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Let's not be doing stupid things and putting ourselves in positions that are gonna, you're going to get hurt, you're going to get in trouble, or something like that. Go back to Luke chapter 10. So we saw the pattern for labors in verse 1, the prayer for labors in verse 2, the protection of labors in verse 3. You're probably thinking, man, if we got 24 of these, we're going we're gonna to speed it up right here, okay? Number 4, we see the provision of labors. The provision of labors. Look at verse 4. Carry neither purse. In a purse, of course, our King James Bible is translated in 1611, but a, a, a purse is exactly what you think of a purse right now. It's a, it's a bag or a wallet that holds money. Obviously, Jesus is speaking to men here. 
today we think of women having purses, but a purse would be the same as a wallet or some sort of a bag that you would carry money. Notice what Jesus says, carry neither purse nor scrip. What's a scrip? A scrip is like a bag or like a backpack, something you would carry with you. He says, nor shoes, because in the ancient world, of course, they didn't have vehicles and only rich people really rode horses. So it's very common if you're going on a long journey that you would carry uh, an additional pair of shoes. Uh, and Jesus says, don't, don't carry a purse, nor scrip, nor shoes. Then he says, and salute no man. You know, and what he means by that is, is don't get distracted. And you see, you see your buddy, you start talking. He said, he said, I don't want you to get distracted. Look at verse 7. We'll come back to verses 5 and 6 here in a minute. We'll look at verse 7. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. And I want you to understand what Jesus is teaching here when he says don't carry a purse, don't carry, don't carry a, a, a bag of money or wallet. He says, nor a script, don't, don't, don't carry a bag with you or backpack or shoes. What, what he's teaching them is, I want you to rely on my provision, and he's promising them, I'm going to provide for your needs. He says in verse 7, and in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they, as they give. He says, when you go to a house and they receive you in, if they offer you food, he says, eat and drink such things as they give, for the laborers worthy of his hire, go not from house to house. Now, let me just break this verse down, Okay. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give. He's promising them that as they're out, because they're not going out for soul winning a couple hours like, like you and I on a Saturday afternoon. They're going on a missions trip. They're going to be gone for a while. And he's telling them, don't carry a purse, don't carry a script, don't carry shoes. I'm going to take care of you. He says, the provision of the labor is what he's teaching them. I'm going to provide for you. And as you enter into people's houses, when they, they're going to give you what you need, he says there in verse 7, eating and drinking such things as they give. And by the way, let me just say this. That's just good people skills. If somebody offers you food, you should eat it. Yeah. All right? Uh, people have different thoughts about that or whatever. But, you know, it's just good people skills. If, somebody, if you go to somebody's house and they prepare a meal for you, don't turn your nose up at it and say, well, I don't eat that. Is it organic? You know, just <laughs> eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. I want you to notice that little phrase there, worthy of his hire. Because that phrase is quoted by Paul in 1 Timothy, go not from house to house. Now, when he says here, go not from house to house, that is in the context of when you're, you're staying with somebody. Because as you go into the city, people are going to allow you to stay in their house. And he said, I don't want you going from house to house. And what he means by that is, I don't want you shopping around. Like, oh, well, this person has a nicer house. I'm going to go stay at their house. They have a pool. He says, no, you know, don't be looking for a better deal. He said, I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to provide for you. Verse 8, and into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you. Notice what he says, eat such things as are set before you. Again, just good people skills. But what he's telling them is, I'm going to provide for you. Because he says, the labor is worthy of his hire. All right, so keep your place there in Luke 10, and go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. If you can find the T-books, they're all clustered together. 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, 1st Timothy chapter 5. And you know what? Especially you guys that want to be pastors one day and go into ministry, you need to learn to quit being so stinking picky and just eat whatever is set before you. You say, Pastor, what do you do when you're at a church member's house and they serve you something um, that you don't like? They'll never know it. Because I'll eat it, I'll smile, I'll say it's delicious, and I'll ask for seconds. Because that's what a good pastor does. That's what a good pastor's wife does. 
mean, my wife and I have literally been invited, nobody here at our church now, but literally been invited into houses where you just walk in and you smell the, the cat urine and you just see the layer of cat hair and, and these people that you just got saved that are just so thankful that they got baptized or so thankful that you're counseling them and helping them. They just want to be a blessing to you and they serve you a meal. You say, what do you do? You eat it. That's why the Bible says, you know, just pray, you just pray a blessing on the food and you eat it. And, and, and you know, and, and let God, God, let God transform it, that hamburger helper into some organic beef, you know, and just, and just deal with it. First Timothy 5. I'm just telling you, you guys don't want to be pastors. You're not going to survive in ministry if you're picky and turning your nose up at people. It's a good way to lose church people for your rudeness. First Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders, this is referring to pastors, let the elders that rule well, by the way, not all pastors are created equal. Yeah, people don't like, you know, people don't want to hear this, but, you know, you go to work and, you know, just like some carpenters are better than other carpenters and, and some electricians are better than other electricians, some pastors are better than other pastors. And the Bible says here, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor Notice, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. I'll come back to that phrase in a minute. But notice this phrase, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. That's Paul quoting the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 10, 7, when he says the laborer is worthy of his hire. And look, these 70 were literally going on on this mission soul winning trip. They, they, they were gone for, for, we don't know how long, they were gone for maybe weeks or months. You know, they were out there preaching the gospel and he's telling them, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for your needs. And really the application here is that uh, when you're, because these men are more like full-time ministry and the application is that the Lord provides your needs when you're in ministry. But you know, the Bible says the labor is worthy of his hire, and that's quoted by Paul saying, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they that labor in the word of doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. And you know, the Bible teaches that a church should take care of their pastor uh, uh, for their financial needs. And you say, pastor, why are you preaching that? You're preaching that because you, you know, the church, look, the church is taking care of me and my family, all right? That's not why I'm preaching that. All right, and even if it wasn't, you know, the first four years of this church, I worked a full-time job. Uh, so I, you know, you say, "Why are you preaching?" It? Here's why I'm preaching it: because if I don't preach it to you, who's going to teach it to you? You know, when you you if you leave Verity Baptist Church and you go and you're a member at another church, make sure you take care of the man of God, especially if he's doing a good job. If he's ruling well and he's counted, he should be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. You say, "How can you tell if they're labor in the word and doctrine?" Listen to the preaching. You can tell. You can tell when they're phoning in the sermon. You know, you can tell when it's like, this guy doesn't seem like he's he spent a little too much time on the golf course this week and didn't get a lot of study in. 1 Timothy 5.18, For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. Look, he's saying, look, if an ox is working, don't muzzle the ox. Don't cover, let him eat. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. Go to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. If you, if you go from Luke, just go forward. Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9. I just want to show this to you. And look, and I always try to teach our church people, get this idea out of your head. You don't pay the pastor to preach. Okay? In fact, probably the one thing you don't pay the pastor for is to preach. 
Because I'll tell you something about ministry. This is the fun part. Everything else sucks. <laughs> you can pay me to do this. I do this for free. You know, you don't pay the pastor to preach. How does that work? You know, it's like $9.99 for every sermon. You know, it's like we're going to have church every night. You provide for the needs of the man of God. First Corinthians 9.99. 9.99. Good night. <laughs> First Corinthians 9.9. For it is written in the law of Moses. Here's the quote. Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Now, why does God say that? Notice what Paul says. Doth God take care for oxen? Is he saying this because God really cares about oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? Paul says, for our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. And then later on in the same passage, it talks about they that preach the gospel should live up the gospel. So we see the pattern of labors, go back to Luke chapter 10, the prayer for labors, uh, the protection for labors, the provision for labors. Let me give you the fifth one tonight. We see the probing of the labors. The probing of the labors. You say, what does that mean? It means that our job as labors, as soul-winning labors, is to go out and to probe, which means to seek or to search. Notice what the Bible says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 5. And into whatsoever house ye enter. Because Jesus is sending them out two by two, house to house, lambs among wolves. He says, into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, peace be to this house. And again, these are people skills. You know, look, don't walk up to somebody's house. Please, I mean, you're not going to do that at very bad to serve very long. Don't, don't walk up to people's house being rude. You know, and, and you know, you're going to go to hell. Let me preach the gospel to you. You know, we're supposed to walk up and look, we want to be a blessing to these people. Amen. And into whatsoever house you enter, first say, peace be to us. I've been out so many people where it's just like, they just look like they're, they just, they're acting like they're looking for a fight. And they're just in a bad mood. And it's like, what are you doing? Notice verse 6. And if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. But notice what it says. If not, because that's a possibility too it shall turn to you again. Verse 7. And in the same house remain. What house? The ones that are receptive. Say, so when you're out soul winning, who should you spend your time with? The people that are receptive. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give you, for the labor is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. Verse 8. And into whatsoever city ye enter, notice, and they receive you. So notice, it's all about, are they receiving you or are they rejecting you? And they receive you, Eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, say unto who? Those that receive you, what are we supposed to say unto them? The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. That we're bringing the kingdom of God to them. We're bringing the message of God to them. We're bringing the message of salvation to them. Verse 10, but into whatsoever city ye enter, here's, here's the contrast, and they receive you not. This is the person that's not receptive. Sit there and argue them for two hours and then yell at them. And Is that what it says? But into whatsoever city ye enter and they receive you not, notice the words, go your ways. Go your ways out into the streets of the same and say, 
even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we will wipe off against you, notwithstanding. Uh, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Notice, the same thing is said to those that receive you and those that reject you. The kingdom of God is come nigh to you. Because you say, what are we doing when we're out there preaching the gospel? Look, we're, it doesn't matter if they receive you or they reject you. We're still winning. We're still accomplishing what we're supposed to accomplish because our job is to warn people. Our job is to tell them, hey, the judgment of God is coming. God wants to save you. The kingdom of God has come nigh to you. God wants to save you. And if they receive it, great. Spend time with them. Preach the gospel to them. Get them saved. And if they don't receive it, we still warn them. He says, he says but look, if they, if they reject you, just move on. And find, you say, why? Because what we're, lo- we're probing, what we're looking for is people that are interested. So if they, don't, if they receive you not, go your ways into the streets of the same uh, and say, even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you, notwithstanding the sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh to you. There's something that Jesus said very similar to the 12 when he sent them out. Go to Luke 9, just real quickly, verse 5. Luke 9, 5. Notice what the Bible says. And whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, notice what he says, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. Look, we're not supposed to sit there and argue. We're not supposed to sit there and fight. If somebody says, I don't believe that, I don't, you know. Bible says uh, that if, if, if a man is a heretic, we're supposed to give him one admonition, a second admonition, and after the second admonition, we're supposed to reject them. So we just say, hey, if you don't believe it, we warn them, we tell them, well, this is what the Bible says, and, and this is what the Word of God says, and then we shake off the very dust from your feet, and you move on. Paul did something similar in Acts 18. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read this for you. Acts 18, verse 6. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. So we're looking for those who are receptive and warning those who are not. And look, if I knock on somebody's door and they answer the door, and I say, hi, we're coming from Verity Baptist Church, wanted to give you and your family an invitation to church. They take the invitation, and I say, hey, you know, let me ask you a question. Do you know for sure if you died today, are you on your way to heaven? And they said, no, I don't know, or I'm not sure. And I respond to them, well, you know, the Bible says you can be 100% sure you're on your way to heaven. It's not based on being a good person or what religion you are. If I could show you from the Bible, I can take a few minutes and show you from the Bible how you can be 100% sure you're on your way to heaven. Would you like to hear that? And they're like, no. Well, look, I've warned them. I, I don't have to, oh, you're going to go to hell. You know, you say, what do you do? You tell them, hey, there's a, if you decide you're interested, there's a video. There's a, 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 a code you can scan. I don't even know. What are those things called? Yeah. A QR code you can scan. You see how technology I am. You know, there's a video you can watch, or you can hand them a, 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 one of our pamphlets that teaches. You can give them a verse, whatever you want to do. But look, we just move on. So why do you ask, could I show you? Because I'm looking for people that are receptive. Because I'm looking for people that actually want to hear it. I don't want to just put my foot in the door and just make some, you know, I'm not going to leave until they call the cops or something. We're looking for people who actually want to hear the gospel. Look at verse 12. But I say unto you, because he's talking about the fact that if people are not receptive, just move on is what he's teaching them. And then in verse 12, he says, but I say unto you, because he's about to bring up some cities that have not been receptive. He says, it shall be more tolerable in, the, in that day, referring to the day of judgment. He says, for Sodom than for that city. 
He says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin. This was a city that was during the time of Jesus in that Galilean area where Jesus has been ministering. He says, Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. Again, a city in that Galilean area where Jesus has been preaching. For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, Tyre and Sidon are cities in the Old Testament that rejected the uh, prophets. Jesus says, If the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which had been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Look at verse 14. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you, O thou Capernaum. Capernaum is where Jesus headquartered his ministry. And here Jesus says, look, if you lived in Capernaum and Jesus done more miracles, preached more sermons, done more things in Capernaum than in any other place. And Jesus says, and thou Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven. I mean, they had the Son of God headquarter his ministries there. He says, if you live in Capernaum and you have rejected me, he said, he said which are exalted heaven shall be thrust down to hell. And you say, what is Jesus talking about when he's saying, well, it's going to be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for these people? Well, go to Luke 12, because there's a principle that applies to judgment. I want, and, the, and Jesus is referring to that. And I want to show that to you. Luke chapter 12, look at verse 47. And it's a principle. You probably heard of it. It, 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 it's, it's, it goes as this, unto whomsoever much is given, much shall be required. You know that judgment is not going to be the same for everybody? The people that have been given more are going to be judged more harshly. And this is why Jesus says, look, it's going to be more tolerable in that day for Sodom and Chorazin and Bethsaida than for Tyre and Sidon. He says it's going to be more tolerable than to these cities because great truth has came to them. Luke 12, look at verse 47. Here, now we saw it in Luke 10 in regards to cities. Jesus is going to say it here in regards to people. Luke 12, 47. And that servant, notice what it says about this servant, which knew his Lord's will. So this servant knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will shall be, notice what the Bible says, beaten with many stripes, but he that knew not. So now we have another servant who didn't know his master's will and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. Look, he's saying, when it comes to God's judgment upon your life, God says, I will come down harder on you when you have, when you knew, when you had been given great light. Notice what he says at the end of verse 48. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. And let me tell you something. If you have been given much, and pretty much anyone that lives in the United States of America has been given much. I mean, you're not living in the middle of Pakistan. You're living in the U.S. And especially, let me say something to you young people at Verity Baptist Church. If you uh, come to a church like this and your parents bring you to a church like this, God bless you. You've been given a lot. You've been given a lot of truth. You've been given a lot of knowledge. You've been given a lot of wisdom. And when it comes to God's judgment, God's going to come down hard on you. Because that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes, God says. For unto whomsoever much is given, much shall be required. And this is not just talking about in the, in the end. This is talking about here on earth. 
If God has, if you've been given light, if you've been given opportunities, if you've been given chances and you just ignore it and ignore it and ignore it, you better watch out because God's going to cloud up a rain on you. You're going to be beaten with, with, with many stripes. But God says, look, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. So we need to understand this principle of unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. Go back to Luke chapter 10. Look at verse 16. We're talking about unreceptive people. Unreceptive people. Look at verse 16. He says, he that heareth you, he's talking to the workers, the laborers, the soul winners, right? He that heareth you, heareth me. So Jesus says, he that heareth you, soul winner, heareth me, Jesus. And he that despiseth you, soul winner, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. And you know what Jesus is teaching here? He's saying, when they reject you, don't take it so personal. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are representing the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, he that heareth you, heareth me. By the way, when they receive you, they're not receiving you. They're receiving Christ. And he that despises you, despises me. So this is why I always think it's funny when soul winners get so angry and upset out. Soul winners like, man, are you the Lord Jesus Christ? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. You say, what do you do when they reject you? You know, I, I, I do my best to preach the gospel, to warn them. And, you know, I walk away thinking to myself, well, I'm saved. Praise God. And, and they've been warned, and it's their decision. And unto whomsoever much is given, much shall be required. In 1 Samuel 8, 7, you don't have to turn here. I'll just read this for you. Uh, God told something similar to Samuel. 1 Samuel 8, 7, you can write, jot this down for your notes. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people, in all that day, say, uh, in, in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. And look, when we are preachers, when we are instruments of God, when we're bringing the word of God to people and they reject it, obviously it should break our hearts. Obviously we should weep for them and pray for them. But at the end of the day, we should realize they're not rejecting us, they're rejecting Christ. They're rejecting God, and God's going to deal with it. Look at Luke 10 and verse 17. So number one, we saw the pattern for labors in verse one, the prayer for labors, verse two, the protection for labors, verse three, the provision for labors, verses four, seven, and eight, the probing of labors, verses five through 16. Notice number six, the perspective for labors. Verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy. So now they've gone, they did what they were gonna do, and now they've came back. Notice what the Bible says. And the 70 returned again with joy. You know the Bible says? That if we go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, seed, we shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. And here the Bible says that the 70 returned again with joy, saying, notice what they're saying, Lord, they're really happy. They said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. So they're casting out devils. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I'm not going to deal with that verse tonight. I'm probably going to preach a whole sermon just out of that one verse. All right? So stay tuned. Come back next Wednesday night. Verse 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall uh, by any means hurt you. So they're really happy because he's, he's, you know, they're, they're coming back and saying we're casting out devils. Uh, he's given them power over serpents and scorpions. But I want you to notice number six, the perspective of the laborer. Because they're really happy about all these cool things they're doing. But in verse 20, he says, notwithstanding in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. You know, the perspective of a, of a labor, you say, Pastor, what, you know, uh, 
praise God for all the exciting things that are going on at Verity Baptist Church, and praise God for that. But you know what? At the end, at the end of the day, we're just happy that our names are written in heaven. And we always want to keep our minds on that because, you know, sometimes things aren't going well. Sometimes things are, sometimes it looks like, the, it seems like the wolves are winning. Sometimes it seems like the wolves are taking away the lambs. And even when things are going well, when the, the attendances are high, the offerings are up, everything's going good, praise God. But when they're not high, and when the, things are not going well, and when we're struggling, and when we're fighting the devil, and when we're fighting to survive, you know what? We can always be thankful about the fact that we're saved. Amen. Because the worst day of a Christian is still better than the best day of an unsaved person is going to die and go to hell. So he says, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So we see the perspective of the laborers in verses 17 through 20. And then lastly tonight, we see the privilege of the laborers. Verses 21 through 24. Notice what the Bible says. And in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. Notice verse 23, and he, Jesus, turned unto his disciples. I want you to get the context. Jesus is rejoicing. By the way, the Bible tells us that Jesus was a man of sorrows. We, 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 we see Jesus weep throughout the Gospels. There's no verse that tells us that he laughed. Of course, I believe that he laughed. I'm sure he had a sense of humor. But the, the, the characteristics that are emphasized about the Lord Jesus Christ is that he was a man of sorrows, that he was a serious man, that he was a somber man, ready to do the will of his Father. But here we're told that Jesus rejoiced. And I, as far as I can, I, I, I can my, my memory serves, this is the only time we really see the Bible telling us that Jesus rejoiced. And what is he rejoicing? He's rejoicing about the fact that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, but has revealed them unto babes. You say, what does that mean? Verse 23, and he turned unto his disciples and said privately. Notice the privilege of the laborers. He said, blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them. And to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Jesus looks at his laborers and he says, go, go to 1 Peter if you would. We're, we're going to be done here in two minutes. 1 Peter chapter 1. If you kept your place in 1 Timothy, I'm not sure if you kept your place in 1 Timothy or not. I meant to tell you that. But from 1 Timothy, you got 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Ta, uh, Timothy, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. We see the pattern for labors, the prayer for labors, the protection for labors, the provision for labors, the probing for labors, the perspective for labors, and then we see the privilege of the labors. And here's the privilege. Jesus says, you are getting to see. He said, many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them. You know, tonight, you and I have the privilege to stand up, and, and I have the privilege as, as, a, as a pastor to stand up and take this passage of Scripture and outline it and, and teach it, read it, explain it, give you the cross-references to all the different passages where it's connected. But you know, that's a great privilege because it has not been like that for all mankind. 
In fact, for the very men that wrote the word of God, the Bible says, Jesus tells us, the very prophets and kings that wrote that the holy men of God who spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, as they wrote down the prophecies that they wrote, they spoke them, they wrote them, and then they wondered about them. I mean, they wrote prophecies about the the coming Messiah and they wondered, I wonder what he's going to be like. I wonder how that's all going to play out. How is he going to die for everyone? How is he going to be a sacrifice? I mean, they understood things. But Jesus says, hey, I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them. And to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Jesus tells these laborers, you have a great privilege. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 10, notice what Peter writes. He said, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Do you understand that? The Bible says that the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, the men that gave us the word of God, they desired and inquired and searched diligently. They were, I mean, they, were, they, they had half the story. They didn't have the entire canon of Scripture. They didn't have all of the Word of God. And they searched it, and they inquired, and they desired to know. They wanted to know. Good night. They wanted to know what the Word of God said. And you know what's even more interesting than that? Look at verse 12, same chapter, 1 Peter 1, verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are not reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Look, you and I are fortunate people that we have had the gospel preached unto us with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Notice the last part of verse 12. Which things the angels desire to look into. You know, you say we're preaching about soul winning. Yeah, you should go. You know, the, the angels are up in heaven. And they're like, I don't understand. Why don't, man, if, if he would let us go, we'd go. And we wouldn't even complain. I mean, we, the, the angels look down and they desire to look into the things that you and I have the privilege to look into over history. The kings and the prophets that gave us the word of God. They wish they could read the gospel of Luke. They wish they could study the word of God. They wish they could stand up with a King James Bible that's perfect and preserved and inspired and read it. You and I are too lazy, too distracted, too apathetic. Jesus said, they have, you have a great privilege. I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see. And you and I can get up tomorrow morning, open your King James Bible with the Holy Spirit of God, and read the Word of God. And know everything that God wants us to know. Study everything that God wants us to study. Find every answer for every area of life. But you'd rather be on Facebook. But you'd rather be on Instagram. But you'd rather waste your time with stupid things. And Jesus says, you... He's talking to the 70? No, he's talking to Verity Baptist Church. We have been given a great privilege to have the Word of God, to apply it to our lives, and to bring it to other people. What will you do about it? Will you at least pray that he would send forth laborers into his vineyard?
Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. I know we went quickly through these 24 verses, and I don't normally like to go that quickly, but it was a passage. Lord, I pray you'd help us to apply these things to our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us tomorrow morning to wake up and realize, I've been given a great privilege. I have the word of God. I can understand it. I can search it out. We've got software that can help us connect dots, things that prophets and kings desired that angels look down and desire to look into. We have that wonderful privilege. Help us never to forget that unto whom much is given, much shall be required. And we have, we're, a, we're a blessed people. We're a highly blessed people. Help us to be a big blessing to others. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're now, Brother Moses, come up and lead us in a final song. just want to remind you about a couple of things. First of all, don't forget, if you are in the choir, don't forget that there is choir practice at 5 p.m. on Sunday, and that is for the choir, not the orchestra. So make sure if you're in the orchestra, you uh, don't worry about that. And then I don't know if you've heard this, but we, we have a soul